When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, it's been a wild week for OU football. We talk about it all, and we give you the latest update on the coaching search. And then Andy Staples joins us to preview conference championship weekend. We also talk a little coaching carousel with Andy. That's it. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rated five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, December 2nd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in December from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $60,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's Rudolph's Riches promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can email theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com, and we will get you all the information. Teddy, I've stared at my phone. I've talked to more people on the phone this week and like in the last couple of days, then it's, it's been ridiculous, dude. Just ridiculous. My phone usually makes it a full day on a charge. And at like 10 AM this morning, I got hit with the low battery, uh, signal. I was like, what is going on? Oh, you're staring at your phone nonstop refreshing social media. Like for what reason? I don't know. Uh, like I doubt. I'll find out the, who the next head coach is by what, looking at Twitter. Could be wrong about that. Maybe that is how I find out, but I don't know. It seems fruitless. I, I told him, I want, I want to know before Bruce Feldman knows. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. No, but 
So uh, a lot of people are clearly going to tune into this, hoping that we're going to tell them who the next head coach is going to be. And I wish we could, but this thing is, I mean, this thing is very secretive right now. And the best part is like, people are just making stuff up now. It's awesome. Like this has been the most entertaining three days. It's like, there's a secret board of regents meetings. Like I'm talking to this guy and that guy, like they hired Matt rule. It's done. It's like, wait, what, what crazy there? I, I call it the information vacuum. Everyone that's a sooner fan wants to know there is no information out there. So since we've got the vacuum, people just start making stuff up, like flat out making things up. And you're right. It's entertaining as hell. It is. It's unbelievable. Okay. Before we get to the latest things we have heard, because we, we have heard some things that maybe other people have not heard. And, but I I felt I, I, we we just got to talk about the press conference. And I'm talking about Bob Stoops' press conference, not Lincoln Riley's. I'm sure we'll talk about Lincoln Riley's too. But that was one of the most badass things I've seen. I mean, for him to get up, and and I want to make one thing clear for anyone that saw that and was like, man, Bob, I mean, he's just, he's got some good lines prepared. He's talking about, hey, it's not about one coach. It's not the programs is the players, like that stuff. No. He would tell us that all the time in team meetings. And sometimes it had more of like a threatening tone to it. Like, hey, this place is bigger than all of us. (laughs) It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. And you're like, oh, no, what have we done? But that is something he would tell us players all the time was that the program is bigger than any one guy. And, man, when I was watching it, I was sitting there getting chills. Like, this is... This is incredible. And as crazy as the last couple of days have been, I needed that. I'm sure you needed it, Ted. And certainly this fan base needed it. That was, I mean, that was awesome. It was. It's exa- I think it's exactly what everyone needed. And I think, and obviously there's a, a head coaching search. So obviously you bring everyone in. But I feel like there's more people right now excited and invested in the program and in the future than, I I don't know, as long as I can remember. Like, There's so much buzz and energy. And yes, some of it is the head coaching stuff, but other stuff is like about Bob and about the program and people are pissed because the coach left and I think it's pulled everyone uh, a little bit closer together. It's been fun to watch. They even they already have the uh, "I'm a program guy" T-shirt. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, and I think that and that's that's a great point, man. I've I've talked to more guys that I played with at OU this week than I have since like I was done playing. Like I've talked to more guys this week. It's like texting, "Hey, what are you hearing? Who do you think it's going to be? What's going?" Mm-hmm. He's like. And then, of course, a lot of shit talking on Lincoln, of course. I mean, I'm not going to (laughs) lie, but it is it has one thing. You're you're right. I think it's kind of reinvigorated the fan base, but I think it's got a bunch of the former players like fired up 
Like, oh, okay, so you're too good for this place. All right. And I don't know. I just feel like it's it's got people, more people, more people more invested. I don't know if that's a good way of saying it, but that's how it feels, man. It's for for whatever fans out there had maybe just grown uh, not complacent's not really the right uh word but just kind of drifted away for whatever reason yeah you still pay attention but call me whenever they play in a national championship uh game type of mentality i i think everyone is is locked back in and focused and every fan pretty much out there says you want to go to usc well we're going to win a damn championship before you do watch this and i think that's kind of the mindset right now it's fun it it definitely is fun. Uh, other things from the from that little press conference thing, Joe Harris. I I thought he did a great job. Uh, someone should have told him not to say. Uh, we would have liked a little more heads up because oh my gosh, everyone was like, "Well, the SEC didn't get a heads up." I was like, "Ah, he walked right into it." But Joe's a great dude. But that was one of those where I got on Twitter and I was like, "Uh oh." Uh oh, here it comes. And it was like every single person that covers college football that I followed was tweeting it and then just being like, oh, the SEC. The, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. It's, uh, hey, you know what? Um, the, the two things aren't even leaked or aren't even similar at all. And the other thing is, you know, OU. Maybe they wanted some time to tell some people about what was going to go on. It wasn't their choice whenever it all went down, right? Like that stuff was leaked out before anyone was really supposed to know about it. Who knows when it would have would have actually happened? But um, yeah, they're not the same at all. Yeah i I saw what people were trying to do, but it's it's probably the OU Homer in me, and I was like, it's not the same. Leave us alone. I. Uh, one thing Joe Castiglione said in that uh, in that little press conference setting, he he talked about, and he had a he had a grin on his face when he was talking about. It. He was like, "You wouldn't believe some of the people that are reaching out about the head coaching vacancy." I want you give me your most outlandish, like most ridiculous one, because it made me. I just started thinking of ridiculous things when he said it. Well, I think the very first one, because this name was brought up with every single job that opened up college or pro for what seemed like a decade, John Gruden, right? That's my most outlandish is John Gruden. I, I think that would be a problematic hire at this point. In time. <laughs> well, there's no doubt about that. Uh, how about Belichick? He's tired of new England, right? He wants out. He he wants out. He wants to finish the career in Oklahoma. I that one. He wants to go take down Nick Saban in the SEC. His bud. My my probably like most outlandish one. And I thought this is what you were going to say when you said, "Hey, his name was in the mix for every job." I was like, Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. I will say, Josie. He knows like he knows everyone there in Kansas City. Uh, got a lot of close close ties to the chiefs organization. So I, maybe someone, maybe it wouldn't be an enemy. Maybe it was someone else uh, in, that is in that organization or coaching for him that, that reached out. I would not be surprised if that's true though. Yeah. I don't know it to be true. Well, um, 
I'll tell you one of the things that I thought was interesting from the press conference is I, you would think that I don't, they were up there, you know, taking questions about, you know, winning the big 12 again or something. It was all laughs and giggles and backslapping and, you know, this is great. And, uh, you know, we've got all kinds of people interested. And I know that's like a, a calculated, it's a calculated thing to not get up there and be like, oh my God, we're screwed. I, I get that, but it was, it was the, it was like the, the most relaxed and enjoyable press conference. I think that I've, I've ever seen. They didn't look like they had a problem in the world. I, I enjoyed the tone of it. Yeah. Especially uh, Bob set the tone. He, he set the tone. So that was fun. All right. Let's, Let's talk about the coaching search. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And there's no OU game, so there's no gift card to give away. Dang it. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. People were looking at Brent Venable's watch. People were trying to figure out where he was in the world. Some people were saying you already had the job, Ted. You know the guy. What the heck, What's going on with Brent Brent Venables. What, what, what's happening here? I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a good sign or bad sign that he's ghosting me. He's, uh, Ooh. he's not, he's not letting me in at all. Nothing. So no, it, it's, it's been crazy. Um, you know, pretty early on a lot of the rumors floating around out there was that it's done BV. Uh, even what was it? Rufus said that he's <laughs> Norman totally made up by the way. Uh, Why did Rufus. he do that? I texted I him. Know. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, ended up being pretty funny though, but it sent this place into, uh, like it was crazy. Um, man, that's, that's the rumor. It's been, it's been floated out there pretty heavily. And in my opinion, it's, it's the higher that makes the most sense out of all of the names that I've heard. It, it, it makes the most sense for Oklahoma, for what Oklahoma needs right now. Um, I, I, I think you get everything you need right there. 
I do. Um, I, now, obviously, I'm biased, but I think I think BV is what Oklahoma needs. I I was thinking a lot about it because, and a lot of people have put this idea out there. And if you if you're able, if you hire Brent Venables as your head coach, right? He's never been a head coach, but he is. He's got championship pedigree, right? Did it at mm-hmm. OU. Has done it at Clemson. Like he knows. He's got what an it old takes. school championship and a new school championship. I think that's critical. Old school, new school. Guy's got rings and toughness, discipline, extremely demanding. I mean, if you're not a tough ass dude, if Brent Venables is the head football coach at Oklahoma, don't come here. Like, if you don't want to work, if you don't want to be coached to like your wits end, don't come here because unless he has changed drastically, that's, that's just him, man. Like, so I think something that a lot of people ha- have said over the last couple of years, they've, they've kind of questioned the program's toughness, like where, where they at with that. And a lot of people tie that to the strength and conditioning program and and that type of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see who fills that role with Benny Wiley being gone. So I just think it makes a whole lot of sense from you. You get a defensive head coach. You get one of the brightest defensive minds in all of college football. And also it's everything's not about money, but. I mean, you could probably get him for relatively cheap, like compared to some of the numbers we're seeing, like for Brian Kelly and for Lincoln Riley, like you can get him at a price that is significantly lower than that. And then you can use the extra money on assistance. Right. Yeah. And especially an offensive coordinator. And, you know, forget just the salary, the buyout uh, for most of the other uh, coaches that are established guys is going to be um, it's going to be big. Now he's he'll have something as a super highly paid defensive coordinator, but it's not going to be like uh, had had like if the Matt Rule thing was legit. Yeah, twenty five million dollar buyout. You know, so some of that stuff is you know it, it does factor in. I think the fact that you get the championship pedigree, I think is. Awesome. I think that is the most important thing. And he's got, he's got an excellent track record, but he's only been to three places. He's been coaching for probably 25 years and he's only been to three places. I think right now what Josie wants is he, he wants to get back to having that sustainability, having continuity, you know, being able to expect your head coach to be there for a long time. And, you know, Venables, he's been a coordinator forever. You know, he's a guy that tends to be content. I, I think if, if Venables is here, this, there's no way this is a stepping, stepping stone job for him. So I think that is a big thing for Joe C. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about head coaching experience. I think that's the most overrated aspect of this whole deal. By the way, Joe C never hired a head coach that had previous head coaching experience. 
and he's been the athletic director here for a really long time. So I don't think that's a factor at all. You, you mentioned the continuity and that is something that you look at the staff, like the guys that are still around and we'll get to the Roy Manning stuff. Don't you worry people, but don't you think if they brought BV in as the guy that a lot of the current staff, the guys that didn't go to USC would, would stay in place and you kind of keep a little of that continuity. Absolutely. I think one of the things that gets lost in this whole deal is I think we had an excellent staff, you know, the head coach left this staff didn't get fired for poor performance, right? It's a 10 win football team, uh, a good chance to be an 11 win football team. It's pretty daggum good. There's a lot of coaches on this staff that are excellent, highly sought after coaches. And I think if you keep them around, I think that's an excellent thing. Cause I'll tell you right now, most of the guys that are left, a big chunk of them, Oklahoma guys, a big chunk of them that I feel very confident saying want this program to head in the, in a direction that we've been talking about discipline, more demanding toughness, physicality, like the guys that are left right now, I mean, you've got a big chunk of former players. And again, it's going back to Bob Stoop says, I'm a program guy. And I think Joe sees a program guy. And I think they want program guys that are here that are invested in this place and in this job. And they just got burned by a guy that wasn't, that took the, the, you know, a big job out at, you know, at Southern Cal. So I think why right after you get burned by something like that, it's like, let's not let that happen again. Let's get someone in here where this job's going to be super special to them. I'm with you. And if you, if you go with Venables, then the offensive coordinator hire becomes very, very important. And just from, from talking to a lot of people, it sounds like everyone is trying to hire Jeff Levy. Like everyone is throwing the bag at him to be their next offensive coordinator. We're talking big SEC programs, uh, some places in the group of five want to make him the head coach. Like he is, he is the hottest thing going. And he went to OU. So what you're saying is it's really interesting because you know, with the guys that are on the staff, and it's no secret, right? Joe John and him are are boys. Like it makes a lot of sense, but ultimately you gotta pay the man, right? If everyone wants him, you gotta you gotta pony up the dollars. And that's one of those things where it it may be time you gotta start spending some more money on coordinators. Like if you want to get the guy that is the hottest offensive coordinator going, like you gotta pay him. You gotta you gotta pay him mm-hmm. to come. You're going to have to pay him to come. And, you know, there, that's a big point. But just quickly, you're going to have to start paying more anyways. You're going to have to, in my opinion, expand your coaching staff by a lot. I think Georgia has like 45 guys on their staff, something incredible like that. So when you're talking about analysts, that's not all on-field positions. You're, you're limited when it comes to that. But analysts, recruiting coordinators, like that whole thing, 
Like you're you're about if you want to go compete in the SEC, you're going to have to start dropping some big time money on that type of staff. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Lebby's got he's got jobs coming from everywhere. Um, essentially, every head coach that's getting a new job wants to hire him as offensive coordinator. And you talked about uh, some of the head coaching stuff as well. Here's the beauty of it: all of that stuff. He wants to come here and and be the offensive coordinator. I think he'd take this job in a heartbeat. Obviously, uh, you're right. Um, the money would have to be right, but I, I think that we we've Alex Grinch was a very highly paid defensive coordinator, you know. So you're not talking about, and I I do think that there's a chance that if you got Venables, you're not you probably could get away with maybe less than even what Lincoln Riley was making because he has unknown head coaching ability. So yeah, you're going to have to pay him, but I think that money is there. And if it's not there, you're going to have to find it sooner or later. So it might as well be now. If you think about it this way, and I don't know if BV would do it for 5 million a year to start, but if you're paying him five and you're paying Levy two and a half, that's less than what you were paying Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Now, Maybe maybe you can't quite get there, but like that's that's the way I view it, right? And yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. I I, I did put I put an Antonio Banderas gif out that just made everyone. I don't know why people lost their mind. I will say this: they interviewed a candidate that I was very excited to hear that they interviewed. I cannot say who that is because I promised I would not say who that is, but it was one of those where I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. So I will say this. There are some really good football coaches that want this job. I mean, really, really good ones. So I am, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. Some of the other names that are kind of popping up. It seems like Dan Landing is popping up a lot from a lot of different people. So He's he's been the defensive coordinator at Georgia. What the last three years? Uh, really good recruiter. Learned under Kirby Smart, but I just and I don't know him at all. I don't know him at all. Everything I've heard about him, he's got a ton of energy, like very bright, all those things. But if that's the route you're going to go, why not just go with Venables, right? If you're going the defense, and I know he's young, and, and that. That's definitely a factor, but it's not like Venables is an old guy, and that guy's got more energy than he knows what to do with. So I don't know. Like I, Dan Lanning is a lot, a lot of people want him. There's no doubt about that. But I just maybe I just don't know enough about him to like for it to fire me up the way that Venables does. I think that's why a lot of people like him is because they don't know anything about him. If you if you do a little quick research. I mean, the guy, he does not have, he does not have a, a, a good enough track record or history for the head coaching job at the University of Oklahoma. He just doesn't. He's won nothing, frankly. Um, you know, he, he does not have the history that Brent Venables does. Brent Venables has won national championships at multiple schools. He's, he's had a top defense going on. Uh, you know, what, seven, eight years now. And he also calls his defense. 
Like that defense is not Dan Lanning's. That defense is Kirby Smart. He engineered it. He's come up with it. He's the brainchild of it. It would be one thing if Dan Lanning was calling defense at you know Cincinnati, right? And had some great experience there. And Kirby Smart said, I want you to bring that defense here. But that's not what happened. He's off, he was an outside linebacker coach, which, by the way, it's a pretty much his first real gig is, was the outside linebacker job at Georgia. I think he spent maybe one or two years as he's been a GA at a, at a couple of different places, a recruiting coordinator, but outside linebacker uh, coach and then got the the D.C. job. It's just not nearly enough track record. I, I, I would be shocked if Josie made that hire. I think that's a mistake. And Josie doesn't make mistakes. Yep. Matt Rule. Bruce Feldman said it's not happening. You and I talked about it on the last episode. It it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So I will say this. I was told by someone that is close with Matt Rule that he he would be interested in the right situation to get back into college coaching. Now, who knows if that's right now or if that's in the future, but he he certainly isn't uninterested. But who knows if OU is the right job. When Notre Dame opened, I was like, ooh, maybe that's something Rule want, but it's already Notre Dame's hiring Marcus Freeman as their head coach. They're just yeah. maybe him. if Franklin didn't go to or resign at Penn State, like the Penn State thing would maybe be something that he'd want. Yeah. But when you look at the amount of money he's making with the Panthers and how much easier an NFL coach's life is, like I'll tell you this. I would love if Matt Rule was the head coach at Oklahoma. I think he's fantastic. I was I mean, I thought he was spectacular at Baylor, not only as as a coach, you know, the way he presented himself publicly, the way that he talked about his guys, but I got to see him up close a little bit. That dude is a grinder. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that stood out to me about those Baylor teams, Ted, is that man, they were tough. They were physical. And I think he had a lot to do with that. So I would like I would celebrate like hell if Matt Rule was the next head coach at Oklahoma, but I just I don't think it's happening. And yeah, it doesn't it I, just doesn't seem realistic to me. I agree. I you know Venables would be my number one choice, and I said that Rule would be my number two, and I still would say that Rule's my number two, but I would even say that I don't I don't necessarily know that that would work. I'll just be honest. Rule hadn't won a damn thing either. I think he's a great coach, but he does not have a championship pedigree. Okay. Uh, and I know the places he's at are, or he's been a coach at, it'd be incredibly difficult to pull that off, but it's still a fact. Can I definitively say that Matt Rule knows what it takes to, to coach a champion? I, I don't know that. The other thing is, one of the great things about what happened with him at Baylor is he had no connection to the state of Texas and he knew if he was going to have success there, he was going to have to get the right guy. And that guy was Joey McGuire. That was the ace in the hole for Matt rule. 
There is no Joey McGuire for this job. Oklahoma is a unique recruiting job. It's the only top job in the country where you can't get the majority of your recruits and be in a, you know, a top five recruiting class and get them from your own state. That that's a rarity. I mean, there's, there's all the other schools you're competing against are right in the middle of huge recruiting hotbeds. Oklahoma is not far off, but it's just, it's a little bit different. So there's still some things with Matt rule where I'm like, I, I like it. He's my number two, but even that, I'm not sure that it's just a home run. Yeah. I'm with you. And then, uh, one name that a lot of people keep bringing up is Luke fickle. I don't think Luke Fickle's interested in the Oklahoma job. Now, when Notre Dame came open, that that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. I thought that, and maybe if Cincinnati's not playing this weekend, maybe he is the Notre Dame coach. But Marcus Freeman, they just took the, de- the defense coordinator, made him the head coach, Tommy Reese. My East-West Shrine game quarterback, baby, is, is staying on as the offense coordinator. But... Fickle to Notre Dame, I know he. that's one of the jobs he was willing to leave Cincinnati for. I think the only two jobs he'd be willing to leave it for are Notre Dame and Ohio State, and Oklahoma's not either of those. I don't think it's a it's any disrespect to OU or anything like that. He's just, he's an Ohio guy. Like, he, he's been there his whole life. I don't think he's leaving that area. I don't. I agree, and... I, I I don't think now I could be wrong about this, but I don't think Oklahoma would pay Luke Fickle, you know, kind of the going wet rate, which is like nine and a half for ten million dollars a year to come here, right? Like that's they wouldn't pay that. And if they're not gonna pay that, I don't know that he he leaves Cincinnati and jump ship and goes to Oklahoma that's about to go to the SEC whenever he can stay put where he is right now and have a really good chance of winning that conference year in, year out. He's got such a good thing going that I, I don't see him I don't see him jumping ship right now for something that's not the perfect job. And, you know, according to people around like that's OU's not the perfect job for him. Right. Uh, okay. We have to talk about the Roy Manning situation. So if you if you hadn't seen this Roy Manning was out on the road recruiting with Bob, what with Gundy too, I believe at that time. And a defensive back recruit named Monty Jackson. It did an interview with 24 seven sports and where he made it sound like Roy Manning was recruiting him to USC, not to OU. What the hell? Yeah. And, I don't know. And, and the coaches don't know. I've asked. I've asked. And every every coach that is on the road recruiting that I've asked has said, we don't know. Like, all we know is what we read on Twitter. And the yeah. administration has been investigating it. Uh, but that would be a really weird thing to do. It would. And I'm not saying... It's right. I'm not okay in it. I'm not saying it's no big deal. All I'm saying is that Lincoln Riley going to USC has put these coaches, the rest of the staff, in 
frankly, a horrible position. They cannot leave right now and take another job. They can't. They're contractually obligated right now that they have to stay at Oklahoma, or if they leave, then there's possibilities that some of those guys could be in for a buyout or, or, or whatever. So they can't take another job. They don't know who the next head coach here is going to be. Most of the time when a new head coach takes over, they bring in like 90% new staff and new guys. So you can't go take a job. You have no idea if you're going to have a job when the new head coach comes to this place. And if the coach that just left has told you that you've got a job where you're going and like, and I don't, I'm not sitting here saying that he got orders from Lincoln to start recruiting, but I it's, I'll just say that I think there's more layers to it on, in Roy Manning's defense than, than people would, would expect. But again, I don't even know if that's what happened. And if it did, I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm not. I'm just recognizing that when Lincoln Riley left, he put the rest of his staff in horrible positions. Yeah. No, and, and you you mentioned it like it's not like they got fired. So that's the difference between this situation and, and other situations is when when you're having a bad year and or a b- couple b- couple bad years in a row and everyone starts talking like oh it could be coming like those coaches then get to get feelers out they get they, to yeah. send the feelers out when you get blindsided by a coach leaving and i will say this i know a lot of people are saying there's no way his staff didn't know Listen, all the guys that I've talked to that I trust that are on that staff, they said they had no idea. They said they found out a couple minutes before we all did. People were nervous because of all the LSU talk that was going on. But whenever he shut it down on Saturday Saturday night, I think most of the coaches kind of exhaled and said, okay, now that's finally behind us. And oops. It was not. It, it, it was indeed not behind them, but yeah, they're just in a, they're in a really bad spot and there are coaches on the staff and I, I will like, like I, I want beaten to stay, right? Same. I want beaten to stay. I think he's not only now he's a friend now, which is weird to say, but I mean, he was my coach, but he, I, I, Call him a friend now. Like I want him to be around. I don't, I don't want him to leave. And the thing about this thing is like, they got to go, man. They got to move quickly. And maybe by the time people are listening to this, they've already, they've already hired a coach and we just sound like idiots. I'll be glad (laughs) if that's true. But you mentioned how bad of a spot they're in. Like at how long can they wait is what I'm saying. You've got a guy like Beanbow, like, you don't think Lincoln's contacting him all the time, be like, hey, when are you coming? When are you coming? When are you coming? Like they I know that you want to get it right, right? You have to get it right. I understand that. But time is of the essence here, Ted, because a bunch of these coaches 
at some point, like how patient can you be? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's really tough. And I know that they've got, they've got an obligation to their family, uh, to, to try and, you know, put food on the table, obviously pay the bills and they're torn because I know they feel like they've got an obligation also to the players that they've been coaching and finishing the season with those guys, you know, seniors and, and, and whoever, like you signed up for that. You, you want to see that thing to the very end. So they're getting torn in a bunch of different ways, man. It's not easy at all. It's, it's not a good position to be in. And I know we can sit here from, from afar and say, Oh, you'll get a job. It's no big deal. You'll be able to go, you know, go coach here or there, or you're a good commodity, but that's easy to say on the outside looking in, but you just never know what's going to happen whenever you're there and you're, you're faced with not having a job in a month. Yeah. It's a stressful situation, man. And I just like as exhilarating as it is. And I, I just want it to be over. <laughs> I just want the yeah. coaching search to be over. Um, what else do we need to talk about? A couple guys jumped in the transfer portal. That's now they can come back, right? Uh, they haven't like canceled their aid or anything like that. So who all jumped in? It was Stogner, Hazelwood, Weiss. Anybody else? Rattler. Rat- well, Rat- we-, we knew Rattler was going right. So uh, yeah. and maybe he comes back depending on what go- what happens. But Mims contemplating it, yeah. And uh, he was even getting Chandler Morris doing a little recruiting to TCU. Did you see little that tampering there? I see little, you, Chandler. Little tampering, little tampering. But I don't think that's illegal. Uh, college player to college player. But that is also like the guys on the roster. They're feeling the same way. Like the way that. We are feeling the way that the fans are feeling, the way that the the staff, the guys that are still under contract are feeling. Like that's how the players are feeling. Sitting there going, okay, when's it gonna happen? All right. And people are getting antsy, man. I've talked to a couple of players. Uh, guys in that locker room are getting antsier and antsier by the minute. Yeah. They want some clarity, man. They want to know who the next guy is gonna be and start making some decisions. Do I want to see this thing out? Do I want to stay with my boys here? Do I have other options elsewhere? Yeah, it's tough for them too, man. It's tough for everyone. Uh, Lincoln left quite the wake in his uh, trail, right? He did indeed. He did indeed. And now I will say this. I guess we haven't done an episode since his USC press conference, have we? Nope. What'd you think? Was the crying real or fake? That's really the only question I have for you. Is it real or fake? Uh, it's probably real. Okay, right? good. I, 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 people, there's a lot of people that are like, okay, he's fake cry. I, I know that we're all angry at Lincoln Riley currently, but I do think like, Hey, he was a good coach. He did a lot. Like his wife, him, like he did a lot for the community. He wasn't, a bad guy like out doing dumb stuff, embarrassing the university or anything like that. Do we like the way he left? Absolutely not. Did he leave these players and these coaches in a horrible spot? Yeah. Yeah. But I am going to choose to believe 
that he feels the way that you and I feel and that a lot of people feel about OU. And the people there, how tremendous people treat you there, and how kind everyone is. Like, I, I'm choosing to believe that the seven years he was there meant a lot to him. And it's I I think it did. And I'm I'm choosing to believe that he was not coached how to cry on command. Now, maybe, I don't know, guy's smart. Maybe he can do it, maybe he can figure it out but I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt and say that that was a real moment. Yeah. I, I, I think I it's, it's definitely in an emotional moment and um, there, there, they can be tears for a lot of things right there. And I, I know it's whenever he's talking about, OU and what a great place it was for him. So it could be that he said he had to leave. It could be that he's standing there uh, a day later saying, what in the hell have I done? Did I make a huge mistake? Um, you know, it could be a, it could be a bunch of different reasons why he's sitting there, uh, getting emotional. So I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I I will not buy the, uh, this happened in a couple hours thing. Um, no, not buying that. Not, especially when I was told that they had had their house picked out in LA two weeks prior, uh, to the press conference. So yeah, definitely not by, oh, it just all came together in the morning. I mean, it was crazy. They showed yeah. some serious interest. Like, oh, life-altering decision where you know everyone that you are currently at will hate you if you make. Oh, yeah, just a couple hours. couple hours. That's all I needed. What? Yeah. You know, a lot of the things that he's saying, it's like, man, don't hit us with the sleight of hand stuff. Just. Just be a real person. Like, don't tell us that it's the first time that I've talked to any other university since I've been at Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. So your, your agent's been negotiating for two months. Okay. That doesn't count as not talking to USC if your agent is negotiating a deal with USC. It doesn't work like that. You can't pull that sleight of hand crap on us. So my brother is a lawyer, right? And he mentioned that what he did, you know, when Kerry was asking him about LSU and he stopped me, he was like, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Mm -hmm. He said that's kind of a technique that they teach their clients in depositions. So like only answer the question. If you have a chance to only answer that question, get your point across. Don't offer up any other information and, and stop for the question before it expands. Yeah. Stop the question. And answer like give them the information you want to give don't offer anything else and force them to ask the proper follow-up yeah and i because that's how i that's how i felt when he said like yes yeah, the first time i've ever talked to another football program what he's saying in the court of law is not a lie right, right. if he was under oath it's not a lie but we all know that his representation been talking to usc for a long time like who, who are you trying to bullshit, yeah. man? Like, what are we doing? Stop. That's what I'm saying. Stop with the sleight of hand. We all know what's going on. We know that you didn't choose this thing overnight. I mean, you just moved into your, your dream house that you designed and built. And like this thing just happened overnight. No, no way. No way you make that decision. I, 
I find that incredibly hard to believe. I will say this. I've thought a lot about it the last couple of days. I think he's going to be good there, man. I, you look at it's it's basically going to be the OU job. Now he's going to have to build him and build it himself instead of being handed it like he was at OU. But with the way that transfer rules are now, we've already seen all the decommitments, all the stuff. He's going to get a bunch of those guys out in California that were coming to OU. He's probably going to get them all. He uh, maybe two years he'll have that thing rolling. I I don't know, maybe. But you're right. I hope not. I want to make it clear. Now, if there are a couple guys that end up going to USC, I okay. My Saturday is going to is going to revolve around two things, and I've said this already. But cheering for Oklahoma and cheering against USC. That that is what Saturday is going to be for me from here on out. But if there's a couple guys that he ends up taking with him, I will cheer against them, but I won't do it as publicly because they're a couple of my best friends and it would be good if he took them. I hope he does because I want them to have great jobs, but I can't wait to cheer against them. It's going to be so fun. Right. I think that, I think there's a chance to have a ton of success there. I think there's a, a lot of great recruits there. I think he he has the ability to get better defensive recruits at USC than they were getting at Oklahoma. They there is a ton of talent out there, a ton. Now, is that talent of the proper mindset? Is does it does it mean as much football out there as it does? You know, some other places in the country, it definitely doesn't in that city, you know, but like that being said, like the opportunity out there is really good for him to maybe even be better than, than he was at Oklahoma. But here's what we don't know. We don't know if Lincoln Riley's philosophy actually works. And the reason I say that is because the very best team he took over was one that was basically. And I mean, it was handed to him, but it was the best team that they've had in a long time. It was, it was in the summer. Everything had already been cooked in for that season. It's like, here you go. Go win a championship. They were close and give them credit for that. But in 18, good, but a little bit worse. 19, good, a little bit worse. 2020, good team. But a little bit worse, 2021, a little bit worse. They you, So, like, I don't know. Like, we don't know if his philosophy is actually a good one. He's not leaving the program better than whenever he, it was handed to him. You know something I was thinking about? I was, you know, because I'm weird. I went back and watched Bedlam again. I mean, because why not? You know what? And what stood out to me? Because I, I, I think when you look at, when you hear someone being called like, hey, he's like one of the best offensive guys going. And I Link, it's clearly really good. But when you think about the scheme they were going against, like he got out coached by Jim Knowles. And the reason I say that is 
when you are when you're like on top of your game as an offensive play caller and play designer, you will have you'll have a couple plays where guys are just open, right? Where you scheme it up and they're open. You know, where you're like, hey, I know what I'm getting here. I'm gonna get their ass with this play. I think OU had one play, the oh shit screen to Jeremiah Hall. Yeah. Where a guy is just running and you're like, damn, he's open. Right. Remember the ways that they scored in that game, right? And you could say, oh, well, he got, they were good matchups. It was a great catch by Stogner. It was really good coverage. Great catch by Willis. Really good coverage. Darby touchdown. The, mm-hmm. the first one. Pretty well covered. Nice catch. Like, it's not like they were just ske- scheming the hell out of Oklahoma State. Like, and that's where I, I will say this, and anyone that listens to this podcast knows how I feel. I'm glad to see that run game go. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see that run game go because I don't think it works when you play good teams. I don't. I don't think. And some people will say, well, isn't that the offensive line coach? No, it's not. It's the offense coordinator. I don't think people realize, like, Lincoln Riley controls every aspect of his offense. Like everything right. about it. Now, you you gotta, you know, you implement technique and what you believe in as a position coach, but he controls it. So all a bunch of that just ridiculous gap scheme, take forever to develop stuff, like that was his. And I am beyond glad to see it go. Yeah. Well, hey, I I totally agree. And I firmly, firmly believe that if OU can manage to hire Brent Venables as the head coach and Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator, we have upgraded our staff immensely as long as they're able to retain the right guys from the previous staff. I'm with you. All right, let's finish up with Call Your Shot and... Basically, all we said was, hey, uh, how was your week been? How you feeling? How's it, how's it felt to be an OU fan this week? Uh, this one, this first one comes from at Positivity Rules. What, what a name on Twitter. How about at that? Positivity Rules. Uh, feel like I'm going through a divorce, <laughs> but during the divorce, I found out my wife was not like Joan of Arc, but more like Casey Anthony. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wow. to keep the positive thinking, positive thoughts rule. <laughs> yeah, positivity <laughs> rules, maybe not so much. Uh, this one comes from Bill uh, Pinkley. He says, I knew Bob loved OU, but until the press conference, I really didn't know how much. And now I put him up there with Barry. His dedication to OU is immeasurable. Thank you, Bob. Didn't already have Bob up with Barry? What? Yeah, well, hey, um, you know, I've I've heard that Coach Stoops is absolutely killing it out there, what he's doing for the program, going on in, sitting with recruits and doing that whole thing. It sounds like he is just absolutely slaying it right now. I'm a program guy. Even though we're going to hear the da-da-da-da-da forever now from Coach Stoops in that in that conference, I it was it was great. I agree with the, uh, the call your shot there. And and the last one is probably the best one. This one comes from at Big Baller Baker, who says, I just want to be able to put my phone down. 
<laughs> that's that's the best one, man. That's so true. I'm telling you, I think Twitter is going to start, you know, paying coaches buyouts just to see movement out there because, like, the bandwidth from college fan bases whenever there's a coaching change, oh, my God. Yeah. All right, one birthday shout-out. Happy birthday to Dan Stern. Happy 59th birthday, Dan. You're the man. All right. Happy birthday. All right, let's preview championship weekend with Andy Staples. But first, I think you're up. Are you up? I'm up. You're up. Do you? No, I'm up. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, fall is here, but does the weather really matter? Because it's always hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You could buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery convenience and liquor stores. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long traditional of educational excellence. A long traditional, that, that's not right. <laughs> a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 to... <laughs> Dang it. (laughs) Yes. Falling apart. (laughs) The wheels have come off. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, here's Andy Staples. It is our pleasure to be joined by the star of the Andy Staples show. You can get anywhere you get podcasts. You can also read all of his work at The Athletic. Andy Staples, sir, how we doing? We're good. We're good. It's a lot of phone calls, a lot of calls that don't go anywhere, a lot of rumors that you chase that turn into nothing. But... It's a very fun time of year. Man, I I think this uh, early signing period, unintended consequence going on here with all these mid to late season firings, it has sent recruiting, coaching searches, everything into absolute chaos. This has to be, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's been another one like it, but to me this seems like the craziest season we've ever had oh, for the coaching curse. This is the craziest by far. It hadn't even, this isn't, Nothing's even come close. Now, they should have taken my advice in 2008. I said, get rid of signing day entirely. That, that, that would fix everything. You just, if there's a high school student and you want to give him a letter of intent, promise him a scholarship, he can sign it right now. 
Do you really want to give up one of your scholarships right now? Do you have a junior transcript on him? Do you have it would slow everything down. But instead, they did this kind of half measure because they had talked about doing one in August, which would actually make a difference. But then none of the ADs or presidents wanted that because they couldn't fire their coaches. Well, uh, OU didn't fire their coach. And I know we're going to talk about the conference championship games, but what was your reaction when, when the Lincoln Riley stuff all happened? Stunned. I mean, I, I, like you, I'd heard that there was some weirdness going on and, and the possibility that he might leave, but I thought that was LSU making a run at him. And when he said on Saturday night, I'm not going to be the LSU coach, he's like, okay, that's that. Sounds good. He's going to sign that extension they've been working on, and, uh, and that'll be that. They just move on, and the only, the only job that Lincoln Riley would leave the Oklahoma Sooners for is the Dallas Cowboys. But – that is not how it went down. The next day, boom, poof, gone. Well, there's a lot of speculation as to what went down. Um, and m- maybe we never know the, the true contract details, but uh, had to be more money. And I'm guessing probably a right. lot more money. But do you think there's more involved? Do you think that either maybe he saw some of the writing on the wall with Oklahoma and whatever it was, maybe administration wise or recruiting wise, he wasn't getting what he wanted. Did the sec, like a lot of people think, did that scare him off? What do you think happened there? If I had to guess, I'd say it comes down to three letters and it's sec. You know, that's a, it's a, that's a shark shark tank to swim in. Like you're in there with Alabama. You're in there with Georgia. You're in there with Auburn. You're in there with LSU. You're in there with Florida. Well, by the way, LSU has Brian Kelly now. So that's a really tough league and you're dealing with, especially, you know, Texas is moving with you. Texas A&M is already there in your own recruiting footprint. You've got so much you've got to fight, but I don't think he wanted to deal with that. I think he wanted to be in a league where he could just walk all over everybody. Now he, he won't be able to walk all everybody, everybody in the PAC 12 at first, because Utah's better on both lines of scrimmage than USC. Oregon's got a better roster and will probably for at least two years. I, I think Lincoln can catch up pretty quick, but it, Mario's got a nice head start on him. So, but the thing is, they can get USC to a point where if they coach the games right, if they put the guys in the right positions, they can beat those teams pretty quickly and can rule that league the way Oklahoma has ruled the Big 12. I don't think anybody's going to rule the SEC as long as Nick Saban's at Alabama and Kirby Smart's at Georgia, I'm not sure there's anybody who's going to rule it on an annual basis the way Oklahoma has ruled the Big 12. Yeah, one of the ways I've kind of viewed it is USC's probably good, just going to be OU. Like what we've, what we've grown mm-hmm. to know at OU, that's probably just what USC's going to be. Now the, qu- the question is, can they make USC better at the line of scrimmage to make them competitive when they do inevitably make the playoff and have to play against Alabama or Georgia or Ohio state, can they, can they do that? That, that is, that's what I want to know. Cause that's really what the problem was with Clay. Hill. Clay Hill never had a problem signing skill guys. Clay Hill always had a quarterback. Clay Hill always had great receivers. Like they couldn't block and they couldn't get after the quarterback. And Lincoln Riley needs to change that. Now, Oklahoma could block. They weren't particularly great 
at getting about after the quarterback till the very end of his tenure, but there is talent there. Uh, now I, I want to run this by you guys. Cause I have a theory on this and, and I may be completely wrong. I I'm the only person I've, I've heard say this. I know a lot of people are worried about Oklahoma going to the sec because Oklahoma has struggled to get the kind of elite defensive linemen that elite sec schools have. I think they will get them because they are in the sec. Now, I think those guys didn't want to play in the Big 12. Like they'd rather go to Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Kentucky or Tennessee than play in the Big 12. Well, here's the thing is every time an an OU defensive coach went down into SEC territory where, let's face it, where the biggest chunk of those type of line of scrimmage guys Mm -hmm. are, what does everyone down there say? Oklahoma's not putting guys in the league. Big 12 isn't putting defensive linemen in the league. You join the SEC, automatic, all those graphics they put up every draft day, you're involved in that. And they can't use that against you. So I agree. I mean, I think it's the same. I think Oklahoma will get a boost just like Texas A&M got a boost in recruiting. They've recruited well, but they definitely got a big SEC boost. And if A&M gets one, Oklahoma's going to get an even bigger one, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. A&M has a, like, this year, A&M had a legit SEC defensive line, like a real, right down to, to a first-rounder into Marvin Leal. Like, they they had dudes up front. And I, I do think, I think Oklahoma can do that. And that's why I was, it might, and it might just be not wanting to be in that pressure cooker because, you know, the SEC is a place where, where Dan Mullen can go to the championship game two years or, you know, last year and get fired this year. And that just, you know, that's, it's, it seems crazy, but that's how that works. Ed Orgeron can win the national title two years ago and get fired this year. So that is the SEC. That's life in the SEC. You have to want that. You have to embrace that. And if you aren't ready to embrace it, it'll eat you up. So maybe he did the right thing for himself there. We we are headed down a rabbit hole. I'm pulling us out, boys. I'm pulling us out. All right. We're we're gonna I, we could talk about OU in the SEC and what USC can be. We could talk about it for forever. But conference championship weekend, Andy, and it all gets kicked off on Friday night with the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon and Utah. We just saw these two teams play a couple weeks ago, cool. and we saw Utah bully Oregon I I mean are you expecting anything different or are you expecting no. Utah to do the exact same thing to the Ducks I, I'm expecting the same game and, and Oregon's gonna have to prove different now we've seen Oregon be different we saw Oregon do to Ohio State exactly what Michigan did to Ohio State so they have it in them but they were just I mean they got their butts kicked completely by Utah so uh, until I see them controlling the line of scrimmage, not getting just bulldozed when Utah has the ball, I, I I refuse to believe it because Oregon, since that Ohio State game, it's just it's like they can't ever seem to get out of their own way. You know, they they, they shouldn't have lost to Stanford. There, there's no re- that that was. I know there were a lot of circumstances that went against them in that game. But look at what happened to Stanford after that. There's no excuse for losing that game. And then 
not getting up to play Utah when they played them the first time, they were in the playoff mix. They had a win in hand against Ohio State. All they had to do was win the the rest of their games. They're in the playoff. And they completely lay an egg. Like, I get if you go down there and you lose a, a squeaker to Utah. But if you go get your ass kicked, when you have a chance to to make it to the playoff, I don't get that. My question is motivation. And and you hit on it there. You've got a chance to go to the playoff and you get stomped. And, you know, let's face it, whenever you get pushed around physically embarrassed the way they did, I it's hard to bounce back from that mentally. You add on top of it that, okay, yeah, you got a chance to win the Pac-12, but you know, I don't think the conference championships and even bowls hold any of the weight they used to now that there's the college football playoff. So what do you think, like just mentality going into the football game, where do you think they stand? I mean, it's, it's still for the Rose Bowl. So I think that's still a pretty nice consolation prize and something to fight for. I mean, I'd rather fight for that than the Alamo Bowl. No offense to San Antonio. They got wow. great tacos there. Just unnecessary ricochet great, great shot barbecue. right there, man. Uh, yeah. Completely unnecessary. But, I mean, it's the freaking Rose Bowl game. Come on. Just unnecessary. You know, you you damn well know OU's going to the Alamo Bowl. How dare you, sir? Or the Cheez-It. Uh, he could have thrown Cheez-It <laughs> Bowl in there. <laughs> but it, Oh, the Cheez-It Bowl. It, in that Pac-12 champ game, what do you who do you think's got the advantage at quarterback? Right. We've seen Anthony Brown like it's like Anthony Brown's good has been like, wow, okay, look at this guy. He's got the athleticism, but Cameron Rising, he's kind of steadied that offense, man. Anthony Brown's good, though. You get for like two to three series a game, and then you get other other stuff the rest of the game. Cam Rising has been very consistent since he took over. And and really, I, I do wonder what Utah looks like if Rising's the starter all season. If you don't you don't have the Charlie Brewer time as the starter they might not lose to BYU we might be looking at a little bit different situation for them but I, since they made Cam Rising a starter and it's weird because they, you know like Kyle Whittingham has gone through offensive coordinators like spinal tap drummers and they, other than Tyler Huntley they never seem to find like the right guy at quarterback but they really have the guy at quarterback this year what do you think the interest level is going to be in the game uh, it's Friday night, and it feels like it's been the forgotten game, except for just a handful of years when maybe uh, one outcome of the game would send someone to a college football playoff. Outside of that, really hasn't had a whole lot of meaning to it, and it's on a Friday night. The two fan bases and degenerate gamblers and me. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I, I think sport, that's yeah. going to be. <laughs> that's, I... that's all. Yeah, I, I I plan on watching that one. All right, let's get to the Big 12 championship game. But first, let's take a quick break. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks rubber safety surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing For your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the driveway company. 
The driveway company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcony's Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McCallum, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconysDistilling.com. All right, back to Andy. Baylor, Oklahoma State. We, we've seen these two teams play, right? And, and Oklahoma State completely controlled the first matchup between these teams. Baylor could not run the football against that Oklahoma State defense. But I, you know people. Have you heard about Gary Bohannon's status for this game at all? I can't get anything from anyone at Baylor. It does seem like they are being uh, pretty coy about that, which that that leads me to believe that we may not see him. And if we don't, I have very little faith in Baylor to win this game. Uh, I don't have a ton of faith in Baylor to win it if he does play. I think Oklahoma State is playing great. I, I love watching – that defense play uh, Brock Martin and, and Israel Antoine and, and Brendan Evers. And then the Malcolm Rodriguez has just been awesome, like heart and soul of the defense kind of guy. And I just, I kind of, been, I'm enjoying this defensive renaissance. I, I, I like a high scoring game as much as the next guy. I don't want the games to be three, two, like that Auburn Mississippi state game in, two, in 2008, but I like it when a defense can control a game. And you've seen Georgia do that this year. You've seen Oklahoma State do that this year. You've seen Houston do that this year. I, I, Cincinnati does it all the time. I, I enjoy that. I like the there being some variety there. So uh, I and, and I think, you know, the Oklahoma State offense has been good enough and to well, good enough to good, depending on the day. And if you get good for the Oklahoma State offense and the defense is, is what it normally is, Baylor doesn't have a chance. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, what do you think of Spencer Sanders? You know, the majority of his career has been an absolute turnover machine. Um, a, a handful of games into this season, he started to kind of figure out his role, it looks like, and be smarter with the football, take way fewer risks just kind of distribute it on easy plays to the playmakers, let them do their thing. How do you think he kind of stacks up nationally with some of the teams that are remaining uh, with the ability to make the playoff? I think, I think he's, he's fine. I mean, the, the taking care of the ball. And I wonder if that's 
just confidence because you know the defense is going to get it back for you. You don't feel like you have to do too much. But you're right. You, you don't have a lot of those no, 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 no plays from him anymore. It's It, it feels like everything's under control. And he's, I feel like his, his internal clock as well, when, there, when there's pressure and something breaks down, he seems to be a lot better at understanding when to take off running and where the sticks are. And he, he just keeps driving, moving. And it's just, it, it's, it's been like watching him kind of grow up as, as the season's gone on. But I mean, I, you guys would understand better than me when you got a D like that, or you just try not to mess it up for him. Right. That's right. That's, that's right. They, they've been, and, and the one thing about their defense, you look at it and Ted and I have talked a lot about the, about this on here, but man, they, they just don't have any weak links. Like they don't have any bad players on the field. Mm-hmm. They're old as hell. Like it's like <laughs> a BYU defense. Yeah. And and that but that makes a difference. I, I try to explain to people, like, you guys remember when you showed up in college and you're like eight, at 18. I was 17. I had to have my mommy sign the permission slip to walk on. And like Florida had this dude named McDonald Ferguson who was 26. I don't know if he'd been in the army or, or what his deal was, but he's 26 and bench press 500 pounds. He was D tackle. And like I'm up against him first week, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is an adult, and I am a child!" Like, what, what is going on here? And so when I see a defense that is loaded with 22 and 23 year old people, I fear for what happens to the offense. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're solid across the board, and I I don't know that Baylor gets enough credit for how good their defense is. Now, obviously with with uh, Bohanna possibly being out, it may not matter. Like they would have had a yeah. really hard time moving the ball, anyways. But um, their defense but you could is have solid an, too, man. Yeah, you could have an you could have a Big Ten West game breakout. Yeah, you could have, like an Iowa Nebraska game where it turns I, on it, a, a. You're block not bad punt. if if you just turn and hand it to Abram Smith all day long. That's a pretty good offense right there. That is a, that is a pretty good offense. If Bohannon can play, I, I do think that does. That does give Baylor a shot just because he he is dynamic in the run game as well. And it, you have to worry about him, even if even if you got a bunch of grown ass men. You, you got to worry about him. So I, I hope he can play because I think I, I would very much enjoy watching that game if Baylor has a chance. If if not, it may be watched until the end of the first half and and Baylor has like three points and, and you realize Oklahoma State's just gonna pull away. Like I remember watching that Oklahoma State Texas Tech game and Oklahoma State's offense took a little bit to get going in that game. And it's like, okay, maybe Texas Tech's got a shot. And after a while, you just realize they're not scoring. They're just not. But then you hang around to see if they can get the shutout, or at least, you know, that's kind of – Yes, that's exactly what I did. my feeling. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's exactly well, what I did. let's see how bad they're going to – they're going to actually beat them. But I, I will say when, when we saw we saw that Baylor defense up close, like that, that defensive front, they're they're better than people think they are with Ika and Hall and then Terrell Bernard and Doyle like in the run fit and Petrie coming from God knows where on every other snap like they're fun to watch. I mean, are you? Aranda was a name that was thrown out a lot, right? Are you surprised that it yep. seems like he's content? I don't know if that's the best word. He he kind of fits Baylor like just a low key kind of where he can just do his thing. 
Well, and, and Baylor's a good job, and Baylor has tons of money. So Baylor will give you what you need to succeed. Like, you, you don't need to feel like you need to go somewhere else to get your resources. I, I would imagine he probably would have liked to get the, the USC job, but he's not going to get it over Lincoln Riley. And so if you're going to stay somewhere, Baylor is a great place to stay. And, and think, about, think about how good a job Baylor is, because after the Bryle stuff, we assumed that they would fall off a cliff and we wouldn't see them again as a competitive program for a long, long time. But they built up that infrastructure very well. And you've seen Matt Rule bring them back and you've seen Dave Aranda bring them back. And they've been killed and resurrected three times in the last decade. <laughs> I there there may be something there may be a, a Baptist joke there I don't I don't know but um but it, it's it, it is interesting because I I thought after the brow stuff that you know they'd go back to being what we remember Baylor being for decades and they just haven't that they, they had stuff in place that the stadium's awesome the the facilities are good enough uh they kind of realized wait we are near tons of really good players. They can just drive to us. We can get good players. We can compete for, for players. And I, I think Aranda can make them a competitive program in the Big 12 for a long time. I mean, I'm kind of, it's funny because everybody poo-poos what the new Big 12 is going to look like after Oklahoma and, and Texas leave. From a competitive standpoint, I think it's going to be awesome. I think every year, a lot of years where like eight, nine teams have a legit shot at winning a title. And I think that'll be fun. I, yeah. I think it's awesome. I think you're right. I think every other job in the Big 12 got better whenever OU and Texas left for the yeah. SEC, too, because everyone can Absolutely. see an op. Everyone sees a, a, a window to the playoff, which is my last question on this one. It's, it's okay. got to expand first, that, but, but I think it will. Right. Um, Oklahoma State. If they win this, are they in? Is it that simple? Winning, you're in. I think so. I, I the the only weird thing is is does Alabama hang around if they lose to Georgia? Do they, do they get into the two? I just don't think they do. I, I don't think the committee is going to put them in. Now, I think if it if if it's Alabama versus a one loss Notre Dame, a two loss Alabama versus one loss Notre Dame, maybe. But I think Oklahoma State, if the, if they win this game, they're what if it's Oklahoma State against Cincinnati? Ooh, that's tough. Cincinnati will have the better best win. Oklahoma State will have more quality wins and the, the much better strength of schedule. So I think Oklahoma State would probably have a chance. Like the, the committee cares who you beat. It's just it depends on what year do they care who you are, who's, what they, yeah, who's what the they best team about. you beat or or. Well, but neither one of them is a brand name, like a super brand name. And right. both of them will have really good wins. It's just that Oklahoma State will have more good wins. Right. Since he has one good win, but it's a really good one. Yeah. I, I think Oklahoma State's uh, I think they're they're closely linked, right, to what happens in the SEC championship game. And yeah, they need Georgia to win. I think that would Georgia make everything easier for them. Yeah. And and I think Georgia's gonna win. I I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think Alabama's going to be thinking it has much of a chance late in the game. Alabama, okay, let's just let's talk about that game. I I I still keep looking at it 
and being like, oh my gosh, Alabama's almost a touchdown dog. Like Alabama is almost a touchdown dog. It's almost hard to believe. I was a little surprised it. they weren't. I thought if, if you'd asked me going into the week after the Iron Bowl, after the Georgia-Georgia Tech game, what's the spread going to be? I'd have said Georgia by seven and a half. Right now I've got it at six and a half, uh, Georgia minus six and a half. But And it took Bama four overtimes uh, to get by Auburn. And you look yeah, at the and, games. And, they, and, and Georgia didn't even sweat against Auburn. No. And that game was also at Jordan here with Bo Nix, not with, with TJ Finley. And you look at the games where Alabama's like really struggled offensively. It's when they couldn't run the ball, right? And right. that was against Auburn. That was against A&M in the game that they lost there at Kyle Field. Their offensive line, I mean, Andy, there's no way they can block this defensive front from Georgia, right? I don't think so, unless they just play the game of their lives. I, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the only, the only time I've seen an offensive line that that didn't look like he could handle something like this, that just played an incredible game, was 2018 when Clemson played Alabama for the the national title, and their offensive line played a near flawless game. But I just don't, I just don't see this. I don't see how, because Jordan Davis is going to take up. Two people, at least, every time, every, every play he's on the field. You know, you're going to have to find a way to get an angle, you know, and try to down block him. I mean, what you, you're not going to move him. And then that leaves like Nolan Smith is going to be blocked by one person, which is unfair. Nolan Smith, the number one recruit three years ago, one person. If they bring to Kobe Dean, there's one person to block it, maybe, or maybe there isn't. Maybe somebody turns the wrong direction. I mean, like, it's not fair. This this Georgia this Georgia defense is so low. And then Jalen Carter is probably the better, you know, gap shooter on that D line. He's the one you'd worry about in terms of interior pass rush. Although Jordan Davis is Jordan Davis can move too. Like you've seen him run down quarterbacks and running backs. It's 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 pretty unfair. You like conspiracy theories? Love them. <laughs> I got a conspiracy theory for you. Uh, Go for it. Here's the thing that I hate about the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of times in in the championship game, the conference championship game, you have one team. Like, let's take the Oklahoma State Baylor game for example. Yep. Baylor has no chance of making the playoff. Mm-hmm. If they beat Oklahoma State, they cost themselves money. Yeah, they hurt the league, yeah. Yeah, the payout for going to the having one of your teams go to the playoff, like you cost yourself money. So it's like the same thing with Alabama and Georgia. If Alabama beats Georgia, the SEC is guaranteed to get two teams in mm-hmm. and you have a really good chance. You, I mean, you don't guarantee yourself, but you have a really good chance. Uh, you've you've doubled your odds to get to the national championship game. Do, I just, do, I love does, thinking does about the phrase, this. Does the phrase second and 26 mean anything to you, Ted? Second 26. Tell me. The Tua throw. Well, that was the down and distance when, when Tua threw to Devontae Smith to win the national title in overtime against Georgia. Uh, do you recall... Jalen Hurts coming in and, uh, and saving Alabama's butt in the 2018 
SEC title game and uh, one of the dumbest fake punts ever called. Uh, the Justin Fields, please don't transfer fake punt. Spoiler alert, he transferred anyway. Uh, no, Georgia has to beat Alabama to get that monkey off the back. Like they got to eliminate. There are them so many costs. demons that need to be exercised <laughs> in this game. Like Georgia wants to beat Alabama by a billion if they can. And, and so, yes, I agree. In a lot of other circumstances, you'd be like, well, I, I mean, you could do like a handshake deal. Not this <laughs> one. Like for Kirby Smart's mental health, Georgia needs to win this game by a million if it's possible. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one's officiated. We'll see how that one is officiated. <laughs> uh, okay, looking at Georgia. George is like, George like, why are we getting called for a false start? Nobody's, nobody's even moving on each We're not even on offense. On every play. <laughs> yeah. you, you look at Georgia's offense, right? Uh, stable of backs, Stetson Bennett doing a really good job managing the game, using his athleticism. But aren't we all just – I just want to see Will Anderson – Ruin Stetson Bennett's day. Is that does that make me? <laughs> Will a bad Anderson person? can win the Heisman. Will Anderson can win the Heisman Saturday. If Will Anderson has an Ganamakan Sue type performance Saturday, he will win the Heisman. He might win it anyway. And probably, I mean, I think he deserves to win it based on the season he's had. But if he has like a four sack day, he's winning the Heisman. The thing is, he may have a four sack day and they may still lose 28 to, to 14. <laughs> That that's the problem. This Georgia offense is explosive. It's efficient. And everyone's like, oh, Stetson Bennett. No, Stetson Bennett's actually the, the best quarterback to deal with Will Anderson because you, you have JT Daniels standing there like a statue. Will Anderson going to tee off on him. Stetson at least can move a little bit and, and, and get, get away every once in a while. But the thing you're everyone is, is forgetting about Georgia, their best offensive player has played like six snaps this season. That's George Pickens. He tore his ACL in March. He played a little bit against Georgia Tech. You may see him a little more. And it may be a case of if they need him, you'll see him. I don't, I'm not sure they're going to need him. Like, they they found weapons. And this Alabama defense has not looked impenetrable. They gave up 29 to Florida. What do they give up, 46 to, to Texas A&M? Uh, Auburn moved the ball a little bit. <laughs> you know, it, this, is, this is not the Alabama defense that, that we're used to. And then Georgia, I, I think what they found in Brock Bowers as a true freshman, you know, I think they thought they were getting that from Eric Gilbert, and then Eric Gilbert didn't end up playing. But Brock Bowers gives them a compliment to Darnell Washington on the other side. I mean, they can do so many things with two tight ends on the field. It's a nightmare. It's a matchup nightmare for defenses in the run game and in the pass game. They just have a, they have a ton of big humans, man. <laughs> they got, what? Every time Washington like just floats out and and plants himself at the sticks and just boxes somebody out on third down, you're like, who's supposed to cover that? Like it's third and five. All Stetson Bennett's got to do is get it within I don't know five feet of, of Washington. He's gonna catch it. What's the what's the chances Alabama gets in with a loss? Because I mean, you look at it; it's not outlandish that Baylor beats Oklahoma State. It's not Iowa outlandish. Would have to beat Michigan, I think, and yeah. Houston would have to beat Cincy. I, I don't. I mean, 
that would be like runner, runner, runner. But I don't think any of those standing on their own are outlandish picks. No, they're not. They're not. Michigan, I think, unless there's some weirdness, crazy special team stuff, I, I don't know how Iowa scores on Michigan. That's that's no, the problem. Right. I mean, they're they're a pretty solidly built team, and it feels like they can run the ball at will. Now, Iowa's gonna Iowa's gonna be tougher on them than than Ohio State was. It, it's not gonna be as easy to gain yards on the ground as as Ohio State made it. But the down and the the field position situation in that game, unless Iowa's punter just has the game of his life. Michigan's going to have some short fields. I totally agree with you, but I'm, I feel like a lot of people are like me waiting for this thing to have the fieriest, nastiest crash at the end of the season you could ever have for Michigan. Like you're in, it's there. That would be so sad after what they did to Ohio state. I agree, but I don't know what it is, but it's just cooked in that Michigan. I just, I, I'm waiting on it to happen. I, I know I have what it is. It. It's how you feel about Jim Harbaugh. So this is how your brain thinks. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, the way Michigan is built, what they do travels. Like it, yeah. it makes them very, it makes it hard for them to lose a fluky game. That that's, that's the thing. So again, not entirely sure how Iowa scores at all, unless it's blocking a punt and covering it in the end zone. No faith, no faith in, in Spencer Petrus. He's back, baby. He's back there to throw it around. Well, he better be back. <laughs> when he got when he when he went to the Nebraska game, I was like, "What? What were you doing? This guy can actually throw the ball, which seems different." I first of all, w- when we talked about the SEC championship game, we didn't even talk about Bryce Young. He's good, but back to the. Back to the Michigan Iowa, but back to Spencer Petrus. Yeah, back to how bad Spencer Petrus is. Now, Goodson's a good back. It's not like he's. I don't think he's an elite back or anything. But but, man, that, I, okay. Hey, I, I, I want you to watch rushers. some Iowa game. I want you to watch some Iowa and tell me if they had a back who was who would more aggressively run north and south instead of trying to stretch every play out toward the sideline. They would have a two thousand yard back this year. They got the best center in the country. I know that. I've watched that a lot of awesome. them. Tyler Linderbaum is awesome. He's... But they, seriously, they, they're, they're running wide zone, and, and the backs take that to heart, man. They're like, we're going to make this as wide as possible. Even if a lane forms, they don't hit it most of the time. Now, Goodson did hit it at the end of the Nebraska game and, and put it away. But against Michigan, you have to hit it when it forms or you're dead. You have no idea how much money I would pay for Oklahoma to do some of the things that Iowa does in their running game. Like just, just running the, the simplest concepts that have been around for centuries. Now there, there will be a new OC. Oh, Perhaps I, you can, you can bribe that person. I to, am, uh, to I install. am so glad I don't have to pretend like those long developing gap scheme <laughs> runs are good play designs anymore thank god (laughs) i just i was at my wits end man i was at but okay michigan man do we talk about Cade mcnamara enough i feel like when you talk about the you know an efficient game manager i don't and i know some people 
hear that term and they're they think it's negative. It's not like he hands it to Haskins I, and they 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 do. Uh, I think if Cade McNamara had not come out, if Cade McNamara had not come out of the the Michigan State game because they've been sprinkling in JJ McCarthy at times, and I realize he did make a really good touchdown throw in that game. But if Cade McNamara doesn't come out of that game, they win that game. They're undefeated right now. I think he's done a really good job, and I I'm all for like. I think it's a compliment when we're calling a quarterback a game manager because that means he does exactly what he's supposed to do and he's not making mistakes that cripple his team. And it means they win a lot of football games, right? Exactly. We never say that about about teams that can't win. (laughs) Right. Right. So, uh, Michigan, how how do you think they match up with, like, uh, and, you know, we don't have to spend much time on this, but I'm just curious – like the Georgias, um, the Alabamas, like in, any of those other those teams, they got. I think they, if they, I think if they, they get in, they got against, a shot at it. Yeah, I think they'd struggle to score against Georgia, but I think they score in Alabama. And I and I think, I think Hutchinson and Ojabo get home against Alabama. I think they're in Bryce Young's face a lot. So I think that would be a pretty fun game. I, this is Michigan is good. They're just straight up like you don't kick Ohio State's butt like that if you're not good, right? So I, I would put them – Georgia is really the only team I, I don't feel like they would be able to be really competitive against. They, uh, To me, Michigan just feels like a worse version of Georgia. Uh, they want right. to play the same way. That's, yeah. Defense is good. Georgia's is better. Offense is kind of similar. What they want to do from when it comes to running the ball and their play action stuff, it's just – it's kind of like Michigan's just a worse Georgia. So I, I would love to watch that game. I would, but okay. This is not a game that I don't know how many people are going to watch the AAC championship game, but it's going to be the most fun game of all of these. I don't think people realize that Houston's won 11 games in a row, right? And Texas tech had a hell of a comeback in the opener. I remember it because I was watching it. They had played one bad quarter all season. Yeah. And they're 11 and one. Coming to this game, and Clayton Toon's kind of throwing it all around, and then Nathaniel Dell kid is having a year for them at wide receiver. But Cincinnati, that is a physical football team. It seems like Ford is back healthy at running back. Ritter's playing some good ball. He's not. He's the maybe not the guy that are, I thought he was going to Two corners be. will lock you down. I yeah, mean, it- uh, the Gardner Gardner is everyone. The, the guy that everyone says is going to be a first rounder, but Kobe Bryant's the one that's on all the awards lists. So I'm, I'm right. just confused. But I was confused too. I was like, why didn't they put their best corner on those lists? I, but it, is there, is there any chance Cincinnati loses this? Yes. Yes, there is. And I mean, you've seen Cincinnati play tight games against Tulsa. You saw him mess around for a half against Tulane. You saw him, you've seen, Games where they looked vulnerable. So this is the type of game where they might. And this is definitely the type of opponent that could beat them. Now, I will say, when they've played the teams in the league that have a little more talent, UCF, uh, SMU, they've shown up and they've kicked their butts. So I, I think they will not sleep on Houston. They've, they're they well aware that Houston's good. They're well aware of the stakes of this game. So Houston will have to play a near perfect game to beat them, but Houston's played really well. 
Yeah. I guess the only thing I think of with, with Cincinnati is I, I think they probably feel like they win and they're in, and that may be true, but God, there's probably so much talk and hype surrounding the playoff. And, and I know Houston for most people has been like maybe the most overlooked team out there, but it's in their, their conference. So they've been watching them, but I just, I just wonder, these seem like games where one team is, is watching ESPN to see where they're ranked and see if they have a chance. The other team is going in to just try and ruin a season and finally get someone to talk about them. A lot of times those, those can be bad games for, for the favorite. Oh yeah. I mean, think about, think about that backyard brawl between Pitt and West Virginia in, in 2007. I mean, Pitt was not even, Pitt was a mediocre team that year. But it's a rivalry. It was a rivalry game, and and they wanted to ruin West Virginia's season. And I know Houston wants to crush Cincinnati. And remember, Houston's going to make a New Year's Six Bowl if they win this game. They will be the highest-ranked group of five team because they'll jump San Diego State. They're behind San Diego State right now. But if Houston beats Cincinnati, they'll, they'll leap in the rankings. So they will make a New Year's Six Bowl. They have something to play for, too not just being the spoiler. So I, I would expect Houston to play its best game. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about that one. All right. Last one before we let you go, Andy, is there easy, any reason I should watch the ACC championship game? They're both 10 and two. Yes. But there's, what? Get, give to me the reason to see if the offense is combined for 1200 yards and, uh, <laughs> and 120 points. I, that's, that's the reason they're going to, they're going to light this sucker up. I mean, Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman are going to throw a lot of touchdown passes on Saturday. And it's going to be fun to watch if, as long as you don't like too much defense. But, Dead. you know, yes. after after we've watched Georgia, contrast. Alabama, and yeah. Houston, Cincinnati, we're going to need a little offensive palate cleanser. I mean, it's going to look like the greatest game ever played after Michigan, Iowa, and Baylor and Oklahoma yep. State. Well, you'll have—I believe—you'll have both options with Michigan, Iowa, and and yeah. Pitt, Wake Forest running con, you know, concurrently. So, if, if you love defense, you just go stay on the Big Ten one. If you love offense, flip over to the ACC. But yeah, you're going to see the ball in the air a lot and the ball in the end zone a lot. This is my prediction: Michigan, Iowa is going to finish a full hour ahead of Pitt, Wake. <laughs> <laughs> I think Foxes used to be sprinkling. Fox would be hitting the commercials button. Like they're, they're going to be calling people. We need you to buy another ad because we can't, we can't not compete with this game. We can't have this game run another hour and a half. It's usually like, I think what nine commercial breaks and a half for a big game like this. They'll probably make it like 13 or something. Oh yeah. Andy, you're the man. We kept you too long. I apologize for nothing, but <laughs> Should be a fun weekend, man. And let's hope I, I, OU has not hired a coach since we started recording this. So we're, we're all safe here, boys. <laughs> I, I, I think we're probably safe for the rest of the night in their basketball game. They're, they're finishing up their basketball game right now. So they'll, they'll finish that. And then they'll turn back to the, uh, the business of hiring a coach. Yeah. The, the Sooners are currently up six with six minutes and 24 seconds to go over the Gators. Let's go suck it. Staples. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tyree Appleby may uh, may have another bomb in him. He did it to Ohio State last week, so we'll we'll see. The listeners will already know what happened. I hope you're wrong. 
You're the man. Thank you. Just one more time